Colleen is here. For those of you with children, would like to get your Bible bags and meet her at the back. All the rest of us, we're going to take our Bibles and we're going to turn to Exodus chapter 20. The lectionary today has taken the entire world to the commandments of God on this Worldwide Communion Sunday. This is a day in which all Christians throughout the world and all the nations are celebrating the sacrament of Holy Communion in great unity. And the lectionary has very providentially taken us to the Ten Commandments of God and what does it mean to follow the ways of God and walk in His holy ways. Of course, one of the things that I was thinking about as I was thinking of these true top ten was David Letterman's top ten. I always enjoy those. You know that that's a, a sarcastic, humorous collection of lists. But I was thinking this week, I wonder why Letterman chose ten. Why didn't he do the top five or the top twelve? What is it about ten? And why did God choose to choose ten things? What is it on that? So I looked it up. Is, is ten like the best thing you can remember? And I found out that human beings can't remember ten things. <laughs> and so what they've done is you take a list of ten and you divide it into groups of three or four. We can remember three or four things. And so what they've done with phone numbers, for example, is it's actually a list of three with numbers within each of the three. And so we only combine them into ten by remembering the three. Now, that's what actually God does in the Ten Commandments. It's always been known, of course, that God's top ten is actually three sets of four and three and three. The first four is the list describing our relationship with God. What does it mean to be creatures created in the image of this amazing one? The next three describe our relationships with our family, starting first with our parents, and then the the. Uh, last of that set is looking at being faithful to our spouse. But right in the middle of that, how we're supposed to treat family, it says, don't kill them. <laughs> and I looked that up. I said, that's, that's kind of an unusual location for that. But in fact, only 20% of murders are done by strangers. Think about that. Almost as You have almost as much of a chance of being killed by a family member as you do a stranger. And acquaintances and friends, they're really dangerous. <laughs> so you might want to just remind them of that fact whenever you're going through the commandments of God. The last three, of course, have to do with our relationships with others. And that we're not supposed to steal from them or lie to them or covet what they have. So again, it's a set of three with three and three and four. Throughout history, though, we've uh, kind of organized the Ten Commandments through two different ways. The first is called the first table, that relationship that we have with God. And the second table is our relationship that we have with others. I have often, and I've, I've shown you this before, uh, I have often thought of the Ten Commandments as having two sets, but the core is that relationship that we have with God that on which everything else is founded. And then because we love God, because we're founded on God, we avoid treating others as we don't want to be treated. And it's that negative statement of the great commandment. But without a doubt, the best configuration in understanding what God expects of us as his people and understanding the Ten Commandments 
and how we are to read them was in fact given by Jesus himself when he was asked what was the greatest commandment. And at the very core then, he establishes not in negative terms, but in very positive terms, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And then with that love at the very core of your being that drives every moment of every day, love others as we love ourselves. Let that love be a, a definition of how we live in families and in community and in uh, the world with strangers even, with enemies even, that we are to love the stranger and the enemy. As I said this morning, we are preparing to join the world in the celebration of the Sacrament of Holy Communion. This Eucharist has not only been practiced now for almost 2,000 years in various forms, in the form that we use coming out of the Anglican tradition, which came out of the Catholic tradition, has been celebrated for about 1,500 years with slight variation. But on this day, we are going to join the celebration of the sacrament with the world on the international dateline that started 21 hours ago over in the South Pacific, where the first sacraments were celebrated by the, the Christians with, throughout the world. And so we're in the 21st hour of this day of celebrating the sacrament of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have the great honor of joining together with them. Now, obviously, the commandments of God were meant to keep us from harming one another, even if we don't choose to love each other, because it's like the bare minimum that we should do. God, of course, wants us to love when we get to the teachings of Christ. But we all know only too well that even those people that we love, we can harm. And we all need forgiveness, and we need freedom from vengeance, and we need restoration of relationship and all the things we've been talking about for the last month as a lectionary has taken us. And so in preparation for the sacrament, we want to read these commandments of God and we want to think about what it is that in our general confession, as we confess to God and receive forgiveness and cleansing and empowerment to lead new life, is there anything that we need to confess as we come to the table of our Lord? So the Ten Commandments. And God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in the heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Then down verse, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house or your, covet your neighbor's wife or his male or female servant, his ox or donkey or anything 
that belongs to your neighbor. Now when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself and we will listen, but do not have God speak to us or we will die. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now keep that open before you and let's pray. Father, as we prepare to partake of the sacrament and to receive this amazing forgiveness and cleansing and new beginning that you allow any moment that we confess, we are so thankful that you have not left us to try to figure out life and how to live such that we don't harm each other. But be with us, Father, because it's hard for us. We often harm even those we love most deeply. And so be with us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now the top ten, these ten commandments of God, are given to us within a context, within this great moment in the, in the wilderness, where they were in the wilderness of sin at Mount Sinai. You could pronounce it wilderness of sign, but it just fits so well. The wilderness of sin, Mount Sinai. They receive the commandments of God. As we prepare for forgiveness, confession, forgiveness, cleansing, as we prepare to partake of the sacrament, let's analyze these and listen to what God has to say. And in this context, we want to hear the Ten Commandments as they are meant to be heard to God's people. You see, he places a border around this list of ten, and the first border at the top of the list says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. Now notice that God does not say to us in this instance when he's telling us how to live, I am the creator, I am all-powerful, I am all-knowing. He is those things, but in this instance and most often in our lives when he's correcting us, empowering us, changing us, forgiving us, he makes a very personal statement. To these people, 50 days earlier, they had been taken out of slavery, brought through the water, protected in the wilderness, and now he's given them the teachings of God. And so, so he says, I am the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of this land of slavery. So let's stop for a moment and think about the God who brings us to his table this morning. He is not just the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He's not just the Yahweh, the Lord who brought them out of slavery in Egypt. He's the God of Denny and Doug and Colleen and you and your family and my family. He's our personal God, the God who knows us and loves us, cares about us and is involved directly and personally with us. He's the one who brought us out of the slavery to pride and ego, to self-absorption and selfish concern. He's the one who brought us through the waters of baptism and allowed us to experience that new beginning that we find in Christ. So before we talk about how to live the good life, we want to remember who God is and that he's your God. 
He loves you deeply and he knows you by name. And so he doesn't call himself by some other name. He simply says, I am. I am the one who loves you personally. And my name is your name. I'm the God of you, your name, and your personhood. So he's the great I am, the one who says, I am your God. Now, with this first border, Moses then gives us the list. He says it very simply. It's very straightforward. Speaking for God, he says, don't replace me with some other top priority that you think is God and going to satisfy you and fulfill your life. Don't think that you can even make an image of me. I am so far beyond your imagination that nothing you've ever seen in the sky or on the ground or in the sea even begins to replicate who I am. Don't, don't even try to do it. And remember to come to my house on this day of rest. Feast together with the people of God. Don't work all the time. Give yourself time to be and to be with me. And then God continues, and remember your parents, they deserve your honor. No matter who they are, they deserve your honor. Don't betray your lover's trust. Don't kill family, friend or stranger. Don't betray the trust of anyone by telling them a lie or taking what is theirs. And rejoice in the blessing that comes to others. Don't covet what they have. Rejoice and be thankful for your own life. And then at the end of this list, he once more gives us another border. It's a context in which to understand his teachings to us. And we hear that the list that he describes himself as the one that is beyond all and first and foremost within our lives. And he's the God who loves you and loves me. And so he wants us then to hear and do what he says because of that. And so he says, and of course, as you read, the people are afraid, the, the mountain, this pro proclamation of a storm that is just saying so much by its simple thunder and lightning and presence. And they don't want to hear God. But Moses says to them, do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you to keep you from sinning. Now, although the wise person obviously realizes that the entire life that we are now living is a test and it's appropriate to be concerned about the final grade of such an enormous experience and enormous uh, consequence. The Hebrew language, though, as we've seen over the last few weeks, is far more helpful if it's translated in a little different way. Do not be afraid. God has come to prove you or to approve you. Another way of saying it is to test the metal of your soul so that you can be approved to live in the presence of God and in the presence of others because you're not going to harm them. And you're going to love God and not put yourself over and above God so that respect and reverence of God will be with you. And so then you will not offend or bewilder or harm any other person. And that's what sinning or sin in this instance can be described. So this morning as we come to the table, 
we come in full recognition that there is no other God before the one who gave us life and who knows us perfectly, personally. And this God has spoken clearly without hesitation. There's no, the language of the commandments are so clear, even a child uh, can understand them. And God is here with us to prove and to approve, to forgive and to cleanse, to empower us to live new lives, following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways. And so if this is who you are this morning or who you want to be, we invite you to participate in the sacrament of Holy Communion. You do not have to be a member of this church or any church. It's not about religion. It's about reality. The real God and the real us and the real others living together in this great community of his peace and his presence. And so if that describes who you are, then we uh, encourage you to accept the invitation and to participate with us in this cleansing moment of life. Receive now the invitation of the sacrament to all of you who truly and earnestly repent of your sins, who live in love and peace with your neighbors, and who intend to lead a new life following the commandments of God and walking in his holy ways. Then draw near with faith and take this holy sacrament to your comfort and humbly kneeling, make your honest confession to Almighty God. Let us confess together the general confession. 